0: for that. Uh, I told Dr. Long this morning that I'm so glad that we're back together, but the the problem is I only have one chance to get this right this morning. So with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. Father, as we approach this time now, as we come to your word, Lord, we pray that you might speak to us by the power of your spirit. Lord, we are weary, we are worn down, we are weighed down with the sin of this world. And Father, we need to hear from you. We don't need to hear the words of a man today, but Lord, we need to hear directly from our Savior. And so we pray that you might speak to us in power and in strength, and that we, our hearts might be turned, they might be turned to our Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as you know, last week we completed our series in the book of Hebrews. And having anticipated that for several weeks... I've kind of been trying to think about where we wanted to go next and originally I thought that it might be better to just kind of go to a topical study or maybe to a character study just as a bridge or a transition before we jumped head first into the next thing. Now I tell you that this morning just so that you will know that thought actually did cross my mind. I actually did think those things because what I've actually decided to do is the complete opposite of that. (laughs) Uh, And so before I discourage you, uh, let me tell you that that what we're going to do this uh, for the next few weeks, or however long it takes, is we're going to begin a series in the Gospel of Luke. Now if you know your Bibles, then you know that that Luke's Gospel is the longest of them all, uh, and that a study there has the potential to make our study in Hebrews look very short indeed. But uh, there's several reasons why I thought this might be a good place for us. And so let, let's, I just want to share a few of those with you. First is just a practical reason. And as we look at our calendars, as we look at the seasons that are coming up, starting Luke now will give us the opportunity to look at some of those things just in stride. We won't have to stop what we're doing, but we can look at the events surrounding Jesus' birth just in stride as we move through that season. And I thought that was an important thing for us. Secondly, and maybe more theologically, uh, over the past few weeks I've been reading a book by Brian Chapel for one of my classes, and in that book we had the opportunity to, to look at a lot of the parables of Jesus, a lot, and looking at those parables made me want to teach those parables. And so, if you, again, if you know Luke, you know that if my math is right, that book contains more parables than all of the other gospels combined. And so that seems like the good place for us to go if we want to look at Jesus' parables. But then the, the last and maybe the most important reason why I thought it was important for us to go here, why I felt like God was leading us to a gospel just in general. Because as we come out of the book of Hebrews, I really wanted us to continue to to look at the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You know, obviously we could do that in any of of these books of scripture. But but as we look at this gospel, we're going to be confronted by the life and the words and the actions of our Savior at every turn. And the reality is, is that if we want to be able to to stand in these uncertain times, if we want to be able to to face whatever it is that that comes our way, then the only chance, the, the only hope we have of doing that is to do as Hebrews commanded us, to consider Christ, consider Jesus the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so here we have the opportunity to do that if he truly is our cornerstone, if he truly is our foundation, then we must continue to build on that. And so I want us to do that for for however long it takes. You know, we're going to see how the Lord leads us. We may take some breaks along the way, or we may push straight through. But either way, my prayer is that we would persevere and that God would teach us during this time, that we would truly grow closer to our Savior. And so it's with all of that in mind that I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we'll just look at the first four verses this morning. Let's hear God's word. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of these these things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, It seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Well, this morning, as we approach this book... We really get a wonderful introduction here to this gospel. Um, you know, we have information about the author, we have information about his, his audience, and we have information about his purpose in writing these things. And if you're a reader, particularly if you like to read historical works or if you like to read Christian books, then you know how important this kind of information is, right? Right? If you go to the bookstore and you pick up a commentary or if you pick up a Christian book, then it's imperative that you know something about the person that's writing that book. What's their background like? What theological circles do they run in? What's their educational background? You need to know those kind of things. You need to know something about the, the, purpose, the, the intention of the book. Who's the intended audience? Is it for children? Is it for youth? Is it for God's church in general? And you need to know something about the purpose. Is this intended to teach us something? Is it intended to to persuade us of some fact or maybe dissuade us of some fact? What's the reason this person is writing? And the answer to those kind of questions certainly will determine whether we want to keep reading or not. But they will always, always help us understand the message that the author is trying to convey to us. When you know something about the author, when you know something about his purpose... It's going to color everything that he has said, right? And so take, for instance, the book of Hebrews that we just came through. You know, we said we don't know much about the writer with any certainty, but we do know about the audience. They were Jewish Christians who were tempted to, to fade away, to go their own, the, back to the old things, to the past of Judaism. And remember, our author says over and over again, don't do that. Endure, persevere to the end. It makes sense of why he goes back to all these Old Testament signs and figures. Uh, Some of y'all are studying Galatians, right, in Sunday school. It's important that you know who those false teachers are that Paul is addressing. It's going to help you understand the purpose of the book. But then as you go to the Old Testament, context is even more important there than it is anywhere. You know, we have a tendency to take those great Old Testament stories and divorce them from their context. And while sometimes that gives us some good teaching... It's usually not the intended teaching. It's not really what the author set out to show us. And so knowing all of these things, it may seem academic to us, and it may seem boring. And look, I know this is an introductory sermon, and it may kind of seem that way, and I'm sorry for that. But it's very, very important that we know these things. If we want to understand our Bibles, and that should be the desire of all of our hearts, to know this word better, then we need to address these things. Now, that's going to lead me to a rabbit hole, and I know that it is, but I read an article this week, and in that article it said that the statistics show that we live in a time where biblical literacy is at an all-time low, even among God's people. Now, on the one hand, that makes no sense because we all, in our pockets or in our purses right now, have a copy of God's Word, right? We all have a phone, a phone, And we all have a Bible on that phone. And so wherever we are, we have access to it. And yet the reality is, is people, even his people, don't know his word. And friends, what a tragedy that is. If we believe that this is the only rule of faith and practice, if we believe that this is the only thing that will make us wise to salvation, the only place where we can find the one who gives us hope for this life and hope for the life to come. Shouldn't we know it? Shouldn't we hide it in our hearts? Have we considered that part of the reason why, even as God's people, we are so hopeless so often, while we are depressed, while we face so many troubles is because we have failed to hide God's word in our hearts. And the reality is, is when we do that, not only are we neglecting to do what God has expressly told us to do, talk about these things, when you're on the road, write them on your doorpost, write them on, as frontlets on your forehead, right? Keep it there always. Not only are we neglecting that, but friends, we are missing out on the fullness that God would have for us. It's only here that we find real joy. It's only here that we're going to find real fullness of life because it's only here that we find Jesus. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 1, right? This is familiar words to us, but he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. My my Bible has a note, He says that's a concentrated thinking. It's not just reading it and letting it pass through, but it's a consideration of what God has said. And what's the result of that for this man? He is like a tree planted by streams of water, or woman, man or woman. He's like a stream planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked, the wicked are not so, they are like chaff that the wind drives away Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's only as we know God's word that we know the way of the righteous, that we know our Savior. It truly is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. All else will pass away. We say that every Sunday morning, right? Grass withers, the flower fades, but what? The word of our God stands forever. Heaven and earth may move, but what he has said will endure. And so we must know it. We must be familiar with it. And so I encourage you, if you have a good study Bible, read those introductions. It'll help you. If you don't have that, come get some commentaries. Come get some Old Testament and New Testament introductions. It will only help you, I promise. Because studying God's word is never unfruitful. And so, having said all of that, as we look at Luke here, his, his book is kind of unique in that he gives us a lot of this information right here at the beginning. We don't have to go very far to look for these things. Uh, and what I want us to see with the time that we have left is that in these verses, we learn three things, not only about this gospel... But we learn three important things about God's word in general, about all of God's word. And so what we're going to see today is the accuracy of God's word. We're going to see the intent of God's word. And then thirdly and finally, we're going to see the importance of God's word. Accuracy, intent, and importance. So let's jump right in. Let's look together. First, we see the accuracy of God's word. And you see that as we consider the, the author here, what, what this book says about the one who wrote this. Now, technically, this is an anonymous work, right? It's like Hebrews. It, it never says in the book who actually wrote these words. But, but it was the consistent and almost unanimous uh, testimony of the early church that this was Luke's gospel, that Luke wrote this. And there's no reason for us to doubt that. There's no reason in history that we have to think that that's not true. And so most conservative scholars agree, and we will too. This is is Luke's work. And so what do we know about Luke? Well, he's mentioned by name three times in the New Testament, Colossians 4.14, Philemon 24, and then 2 Timothy 4.11. And, of course, if we believe that he wrote the book of Acts as well, which we do, then all of those we passages include him. And so we read about him in these places. And what I want us to see just quickly is that knowing these things help us to understand the accuracy with which he wrote. So what do we know about him? First, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. You read that in Colossians 4.14. Now, I think it's safe to say, and I wish uh, Jason was here because he could help us with some of this, but... I think it's probably safe to say that, that doctors in that time probably had a lot of the same personality traits as, as doctors today, right? Now, I think we can say safely that Luke was an educated man, that he had had some level of training throughout his life. I think it's safe to say that he was somebody who was concerned with the facts, how things truly are. That he was somebody also who was concerned with how things worked, you know, bodily systems, diseases, those types of things. We can say with assurance that Luke was reliable. We're going to see that in just a second. But then I think it's also safe to say that he was somebody who had compassion. Compassion for people. And you see all of these things worked out, or we're going to see them worked out as he writes. You know, his Greek is the most polished of any of the New Testament writers. He's educated. You're going to see as you go along that he lists things about people that nobody else does. Diseases and things like that. You're going to see that he tells stories about people in a way that that none of the other gospel writers do. He has a compassion for people, sinful people especially. And so none of these things guarantee accuracy, but these personality traits would make us think, all right, he's at least concerned to write these things in a certain way. But secondly, we know about Luke that he was a companion of the apostles, especially of Paul. Uh, And you know that because in all three of those uh, references we made above, they were all letters of Paul. We know that he was with Paul in Acts as he went on his missionary journey. And we know that he was with Paul to the very end. We said he was reliable, right? If you look at at 2 Timothy 4.11, there Paul lists all the people who have abandoned him. Everybody's left him. But he says, Luke is still with me. He was reliable. He was there with Paul to the very end. And so he, was, he ran in apostolic circles, and that's important for what we read there in verses 1 and 2. Look there at the end of verse 1. He says, these are the things that have been accomplished among us. So now, you kids and teenagers, I'm not, we're not talking about the game. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, every time I say that, I think about that game. Anyway, sorry, that's a side note. But he says, the things that are accomplished among us. So Luke was there. He saw the miraculous nature of Paul's events. He didn't necessarily see Jesus, but he saw the the miraculous nature of what Jesus did through the apostles. Then in verse 2, he says, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, what they have delivered to us. Now the point that I'm trying to make to you is that these words are first-hand accounts this is eyewitness accounts of what these men saw and heard Jesus do. Now, that's important. They're not just making these things up, but they're telling us what they saw. Now, thirdly, we know that Luke was also a historian. Historian, You see that in verses 3 and 4. He said, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught certainty there in the new american standard version is translated exact truth yeah, and he's a historian he's concerned to write the events of history in an orderly and accurate way he's somebody who investigated from the beginning and now he's giving us the exact truth there's one last thing i want you to see about luke and that he was a christian he was a christian He was somebody who who had given up so much to follow the Lord. He had given up a stable home. He had given up his comforts. He he had suffered the the things that, that Paul had suffered on those missionary journeys. And friends, because he did that, at least in my opinion, that seems to speak to the fact that he understands how important these things are. He understands how important it is to know something about the things he's writing. And so he's going to want to give it to us in a way that is accurate, that is orderly. Now, I know what you're thinking. I think, well, all of this is really a moot point, right? Because we believe that there's a divine author. We believe that that is the Holy Spirit that inspired these men to write these things. And so why does it matter what Luke did? Well, there's several reasons why I, I think this is important. First... We need to understand that these men, they weren't just robots. The Holy Spirit didn't just take them over and they they lost all consciousness and they began to write. These are men that approach these words with their own personalities. And you see that show up in the word over and over again. So that's important for us to remember. But the second and more important reason why I even bring this up is because often when the world attacks us as Christians, this is the place they attack. They say, well, well, this book was just written by men anyway, and these men have have introduced so much myth and so much legend to what they write that it's impossible for us ever to get to the actual Jesus. It may be there. There may be a kernel of truth somewhere, but you've got to strip all of these things away if you're ever going to actually get down to Jesus. And friends, what I want us to see, how do we respond to those things? Certainly, we tell them about the divine author. We tell them that the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and says, No, this is my word. This is truly what I have said. But we can also show them the consistent testimony of Scripture. Luke was concerned to write the facts. This is not fiction. This is not a fairy tale. I think sometimes even as God's people, we approach it that way. This is just a nice story that happens to be true. No, This is history. This is history worked out. God working out his plan from the very beginning, now through his son in real life, this is the exact events that happened. So it's important for us to know that, to approach God's word in that way. We see here the accuracy of God's word. But secondly, I want you to see the intent, the intent of God's word. And again, you see that there, in verse, verses 3 and 4. So we know that Luke is writing to this man, Theophilus, and there's really not much known about him. He was probably a Gentile. Uh, he may have been like a Roman uh, uh, leader, maybe in the Roman government, because he addresses him there as most excellent. But what we do know for sure is that he had been taught these things to some degree or another. And so Luke is writing to him so that he can have assurance so that he can have certainty. Now Luke is not content for this man just to have a passing knowledge. but Again, he wants him to have the exact truth. Now the question is, is what is the truth about? What, what exact truth does he want him to have? Well, if we just flip through this book quickly, and you are, y'all are all familiar with this enough to know, Luke is writing about Jesus, Right? That's his whole point from the beginning is to write about the birth and the life and the death and the ascension and all the events that surrounded Jesus. He wants uh, Theophilus to know about the one who said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. It's important that he understand those things. That's the intent of this word. And friends, what I want you to see this morning is that's the intent of all of Scripture. From Genesis to the prophets to the Psalms all the way through to Revelation, every bit of this is about Jesus. Its intent is to show us our Savior. You know, the ladies, they've been studying Psalms for, for several weeks now, and one of the best things that we've learned in that study is how the psalms show us Jesus how they show us the person and the work but even more than that how a psalm like psalm 51 or a psalm like psalm 88 or a psalm like psalm 23 how those words we can see them on the lips of our savior those are his prayers for his people he prayed those things those are his words and so he's there That's what he said to those men on the road to Emmaus, right? He opened up God's word and he started in in Exodus with Moses and he went all the way through, right? He went through the prophets, he went through the Psalms, he showed them every bit of it is about me. Now friends, that should change the way we read this book. That should change the way we approach it. Again, the ladies in their study last week, what we learned that this history, this Old Testament history, is your history it's yours it's not about some people somewhere a long long time ago though it is that but that is for you that is a for god's people throughout the ages and the way i know it is because it talks about jesus talks about our savior and so when you open this book you can open it with confidence looking for him in every word on every page because friends he's there He's there in those stories that are hard. He's there in those stories that are hopeful. He's there everywhere. And so we see the intent, the intent of all of Scripture, and certainly Luke's intent, is to show us Jesus. Now that leads us to our third and final point, and it'll be quick, and it's this. We see here the importance of God's Word, the importance. We've seen the accuracy, we've seen the intent, and finally we see the importance. You know, and if what we said earlier if, if that is true, that this is the only rule of faith and practice, if this is truly the only place we can know real and lasting truth, and if this is the only place we can go for salvation. And friends, it's an understatement of the century to say that this is important for us. I mean, like saying Mississippi State's offense is bad. Well, it's not just bad, they're terrible. That's an understatement, right? Well, to say that this is important is an understatement. Friends, this is what we need. This truly will fill the longing, the desires of our souls. You know, you read to the psalmist and he says, Like a deer pants for water, so I pant for you. We hunger, we thirst for righteousness. This is where we find it. If we really, really believe these things, and friends, this is the most important thing we have in our lives. Certainly our families and our children, they're important, but this... This is the thing we need to be teaching them at every turn. Like it says in Deuteronomy 6, everywhere we go, every moment we have, every opportunity we have, we need to be talking about this word because it truly is the words of life. They are the words of life that will give us eternal life. Without it, there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no hope. And so... The question as we conclude this today is this. Do you know this word? Have you studied it? Do you know with certainty things about Jesus? Do you know him personally? Has he set you free from sin and from guilt? Friends, if not, if not, I encourage you. Study. Open it up. Search these scriptures. Come along with us as we start this this study of Luke and find there, in those words, the good shepherd, the good shepherd who calls his sheep, who says, you are mine and I will not ever let you go. Come along with us as we study Jesus together. Let's pray. Father, as we consider these opening words to Luke's gospel, certainly these words are, are academic to some degree, they make us... Uh, have to think about some things, Uh, but Lord, I pray that that you would bless us with some understanding as we consider this authorship, as we consider what Luke is going to say to us, but more importantly than that, Father, what your word says to us as a whole. Lord, we know that you have not left us in the dark. You have not left us without a way of understanding, but Lord, you have condescended to us, and you have left us with this Bible that we hold. You have left us with a way of knowing and you have spoken most clearly through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we pray that we might have a longing, a desire to hear from him, to know him better. And Lord, we pray that as we begin this this new thing, that you would bless this time, that you would bless our studies together. And Father, most of all, we pray that we would see Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.